Okay, we have some friends here with us. Um, Edwin and Hannah in Elispan. So can you get the whole team up here with Edwin and Hannah? You get the white chairs because you're special. Okay, you're looking for the lacquer. They're amazing. Just want to get my Bible here quickly. So there's a there's a there's a story in there's a story in Luke Luke five where Jesus helps the disciples to catch fish. What have you have you seen this in the Bible? Jesus actually loves your hobbies or everything you do. He he helps the disciples to catch fish, catch fish, and there's too too much for them to catch only by themselves. And then it says there it signaled they signaled to their partners to help with the the fish that they caught. So I, I sense what's happening here today is we're just signaling to our partners, and you're going to hear this, hear this story, and we're signaling to them, and we're saying, hey, while we're in fire and fragrance stream, everything that you represent, we're saying there's a harvest in George, there's a harvest in South Africa, and we're just inviting you to come alongside us, and we come alongside you. So I want to honor you just for, for coming. Some of you are from America, some of you from, from the Netherlands, so you brought big Afrikaans, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Um, yeah, I can understand And so I'm quickly gonna just ask them to say your name and where you where you're from. Yeah, I'm Rashid. I'm from the Netherlands. I'm Yadi. I'm from California. I'm Addy, and I'm also from California. I'm Eduardo, I'm from Poch. <laughs> I'm Hannah, and I'm also from Poch. <laughs> I'm Danielle, and I'm from Montana. I'm Melanie, and I'm also from California. I'm Ivan, and I'm from Pennsylvania. Okay, team, you can, you can take your seats. We're probably going to call you up later. Let's give them an end. Another end. Hey, let me sit. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a, I'm gonna do a little bit of an interview because um, we only we only met like t- two months ago, but there's a there's a long story to this. So one of my um, when I when we started here in, in George, my heart always burned for re, for revival. So we had two two friends of ours that started coming to our church, and they were from YWAM and Kona, and they said to me, Amo, um, the, the one friend said, hey, Amo, you need to get this, this teaching from this guy, and he handed me this old DVD. Uh, very, it wasn't very professionally done. He said, Amo, this is what, this is what you, need. you need. This is your heart. It's in this, in this teaching. So I, I listened to this guy, and it's a guy called Andy Andy Bird, and he started a, a movement within the in in the in the YWAM culture, which they call the Discipleship Training School. Am I right? DTS. They call it a DTS. You have a, a DTS. So, and then, um, so in that in that year, actually, a friend came down from Potchefstroom, and he we. We, we met up and I just a heart child. And then a year after that, he phoned me and he said, Amo, I'm in Kona and I'm with a movement of people called Fire and Fragrance. I want to come and visit George. I felt like God saying that I need to come and visit George with a team. And that guy's name was Gabriel Stratum. Some of you have met him two, two years ago. And I was, I was just so like, overwhelmed by what is God doing? He's definitely putting people together. He's forming a network. And I, I felt it spe- specifically for, for South Africa. He's forming, he's doing something. He's connecting with a broader network, especially the YWAM network is, is amazing. He's doing amazing things all over the world. But he's bringing it in and he's connecting those dots for a purpose. And the purpose is to bring in the end time harvest. So then uh, we, we, we just said, Gabriel 9 and some of my friends from, from Potchefstroom that's in the show for there said, hey, why don't we just get together and we just pray? We say, God, what is, what is in, on your heart? Why are you bringing all these people together? And that's why I met Hannah and Edward. And, um, and we prayed. And as we, 
we're just discussing what God's been sharing with us. Um, one, of the, one of the guys in the group said, hey, he has some intercessors that he relates to in Pretoria, and this is what they sent to him a month earlier. And I've read it once. I'm just going to read it again. He said, South Africa, you must have a joyful expectation of good, for I am with you. My presence will lead you as the cloud led the Israelites of old. Don't fix your eyes on what can be seen. Fix your eyes on me and steadfastly move forward in faith and you will see me. You're entering a season of winning many souls for the kingdom and revival is coming. Starting at the hotspot towns of, listen to this, George, Potchefstroom and Paul. I'm like, what? <laughs> So he's sitting in Potchefstroom. I'm from George, the, the guy who started and planted Shofar at Potchefstroom. He was the youth pastor in Poland. He's always been telling me, oh, my, we need to somehow connect Potchefstroom and Paul. So there's, there's something in it. And I'm, I'm actually inviting all of you to pray with us. And um, as, they, as they tell this story, there's also something um, very, very exciting they are going to start, start next year. Let's, let's partner with, with our friends. Let's tell them, let's say, we cannot do this on our own. Um, we like to refer to ourselves as the local church, and they're the mobile church, because they're all over, and you're going to hear, hear their story. Great. So, maybe, I'm just jumping off that, what I loved about that, that text coming through was we had the meeting set up before we received the text. So, and it was just such a God moment when we realized that, that, there's already, he's moving things that we don't even see. And, and once we sat around that table, and it was different churches, different organizations, just coming together under the name of Jesus. We just, it was so beautiful to see how, you know, when, when, when badges starts going out the door, and it's not about I'm from this and I'm that, I'm this. It was kids of the living God coming together to worship the King. And out of that, there's, there's such a potential for, for what God wants to do. And I'm so excited to just to jump off that and go, yeah, Lord is so good. So it's awesome to be here with you guys, by the way. Edward, you brought so like an English class. I joked with them and I said, hey, we actually, we're advertising this as an English service, but it's funny that we're getting the Porch of Struan people that do come and do the English service. So Edward, um, just maybe start, just share your, your story, your life story, so we get it. I love, I love stories. I love personal stories. You're testing me and with Jesus. I think I must go ladies first. Do you agree? Yeah, let's. Um, hello, everyone. So just to give a very short thing, um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I had amazing, incredible parents with a family that's really close-knit. But yet, at the same time, even though they gave me all the love, just like Amu said with his kids, I had very strong patterns in my life, specifically around independence, self-protection, a lot of fears in my life. So even though I was receiving this massive source of comfort and protection and affirmation, the patterns in my life were so strong. The fear of rejection was massive in my life. And... So I just build this nice wall and I'm protecting myself, I'm independent, I can do everything. And because of this home that I grew up in, even though I made a decision one day after, I was actually going after a wooden cross more than going after Jesus, but I think it counted as a yes for him um, when I was about five or six. During that time, I never realized really that I needed a savior. And it was only when I was 16 and I started to see my parents were struggling in their marriage and eventually got divorced. That was the first time that I actually realized my self-protection and my independence is not going to sustain me. And the Lord was so gracious that in the time when everything that I was standing on in myself was pulled out underneath me, that he was there to catch me. And um, so amazing journey of following Jesus started for me during that time. Now she's put pressure on me because...
she she did her live story in like less than two minutes, and I'm going, oops. Yeah, she's reminding me that she's younger than I am, which is true. All right. Um, yeah, so I'm from from my side. Um, I grew up in a in a very interesting dynamic. Um, great, my, my grand grandparents were Pentecostal church planters, um, radical, sold out for Jesus, and just moving in the Holy Spirit in a crazy way. But my mom got hurt, and and she raised us in the Hervormde Kerk, like as far as she could get to the other side. That's where she went with us. And we could only see our grandparents if they agreed to not speak about the Holy Spirit and not speak about baptism. Those, those were the ground rules. You, you, they're not allowed to talk to us about that. At least they could tell us the stories. So I grew up in a, in a very reformed church. Um, and uh, in our a bit of background for us, my dad followed the Lord, but he walked away from him in his, I think, 30s, I would guess. And... Um, that brought a lot of devastation in our family. So as he went down this road of darkness, he, everybody else went down the same road. And, um, and it brought a lot of trauma. But at the same time, um, the Lord was still not letting go. And he turned back to the Lord about 10 years later. Um, my parents got divorced in the process and everything. All, you, you guys know the story of, of what happens when darkness comes into a family. Um, and I've watched him ever since, it's 30 years now plus, I've watched him walk it out, literally walk, coming back to Christ and walking it out. And it's so beautiful to see him in his 70s running for Jesus more than ever before. Him and my mum is married again. Um, and it's just an amazing story in that. But in the process, I grew up in this environment of, of religion and I wanted nothing to do with it. I was... I was an angry kid, and I wanted to get out of, out of this confines of our culture, our, our churches, um, and I saw the hypocrisy of it. I saw it, and I didn't want to do it. This, the irony of it is I became the hypocrite. So I hated it, but I became it. Um, and I started living different lives. So even at high school, it started to, to, to manifest, but as I went into university and, and, and later on into work, um, I, I started living this boxed lives. So I would still go to church because that's what Afrikaner people do and that's expected of you and that's what you do. Um, and that's where I found my goals because I went into this deep down dark road where I became um, a predator in many ways. And um, so that was the one part I was staying in Cape Town. The other part was I, I came from, from I, I still come from a family that is in business and, and I grew up in business. That's amazing. So I had this business world where I was successful. I was, I was meeting the standards of the world um, and I loved it. I wanted to be the best that I could be in that world. And I believed every little thing that, that was offered to me. I believed that if I had enough money, I would be happy. Although everybody said it wouldn't be, I thought I'll be the, def I'll be the one that, that proves them wrong. I'll be that one. And um, so by the time I hit 28, I was staying in my own penthouse in, in, in Bloberg Strand. I was driving the Merc. I was doing... Uh, uh, um, Amma was um, mocking me yesterday about my jeans that's not torn. Um, if he knew me in my 20s, I, would, I was at the, the front end of, of, of fashion. So... Um, <laughs> Now you, I know you're still, I'm a, you're still at the front end of fashion 20 years ago. Yes, yeah, so that, that's because of Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm catching up. So, um, so I, was, I was just living it out, and I was successful. Um, God has given me a lot of talent, and I was really doing well in that. But I was very far from God. And, and the third part was my, I became a an, an functioning alcoholic. I, became, I binge drink. So I was going down this deep road, where I literally was killing myself as well. But nobody knew. So I had these three worlds, and Cape Town is big enough, so you can just get in your car and drive to the next area, and then you're a different person. So that which I hated, I became. And um, I think I had a grandmom that prayed, and I had a dad that prayed, and I had a mom that prayed, and they prayed me into a corner, which I loved, and I hated. Um, and at 31, I met Jesus. Um, I wasn't looking for him, although he came looking for me. At 28, I woke up one day, 
just realizing this doesn't make sense. I've, I've ticked the boxes. I've done the things that I thought was important in life. I've done the, the money. I've done the, the, the right. I've done everything and it's still empty. You can imagine after that I, I decided it's passion that I lacked. Passion is the answer. Not Jesus, passion. So imagine a drunk person talking about passion for four years. It's a, it's a wonder I still had friends after four years. But anyway, so the Lord just kept on bringing me closer and closer and closer. But the thing that kept me out was I wanted to be in charge of my own life. I wanted to rule my own life. So I, I understood Jesus was the answer. I, I knew that and I wanted to go to heaven. I was happy with that idea as well. But I didn't want to let go of my empire, of my kingdom. And that's literally where I got stuck for four years. And then Jesus. At 31, I walk into the cell group. And I remember I'm a former. I'm coming from a background where things like speaking in tongues, that's of the devil, of course. And I come from this place where prophetic is something that happened in the Bible, not now. So I walk in there, I'm sitting in this, they, they, they want to pray for me because it's my birthday. And I, and I go, what are you up to? And I feel it. I feel there's something. And I didn't have words for this, but I'm, there's something. Something's up. Last night in Amos' house, I was going, that centerpiece that's like a coffin thing, like, like coffee tafel van hom. It was exactly the same. It was not a coffin, it's a kiss. But you, you, you hear what I'm saying. I got to sit in the middle. And there was five girls that was prophetically strong. And they opened my life like a tin can. I'm telling you, they read my mail 100%. And I was shocked. Because I went there to get a girl, not God. I wanted to have a girlfriend. And they didn't know me. And they kept on going for like 25 minutes. And within 10 minutes, I realized that as they were giving these pictures, one after the other, they were sitting right around me, that they couldn't know these things. It's impossible. These people don't know me. And by the time we hit 25 minutes, I realized there's no person in the world that knows these things. Because what they didn't know was, as I was sitting there, every time they give this image, which was all gory, by the way, every time they give the image, there's this little voice that says, this is that. This is this area of your life. This is this area of your life. Now I have words. Now I can tell you the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Back then I was just going, what is happening? But I remember there was a moment where it felt like something just broke in me. There's just something that went, oh. And I knew that I knew that, that Jesus is true. That he's the king. That he's the son of God. And I want to know him. So I didn't do the prayer thing. I didn't do the, I just did the, the surrender thing. I went, Lord, I need a savior. I need you so much. And everything changed. That was 13 years ago. 13 years ago, I was a total different man. I was broken, but I didn't know it because I was doing everything right. I was doing the, I, I lived the life. But once I met Jesus, I came into his presence, everything changed. And from there, I had the privilege of starting to learn what it looks like to live the Bible. Starting to learn day after day, what does it look like when I read something in the Bible and it becomes my story? What does it look like when we go across boundaries and we get confronted with who we are? And he goes, I want this out of your life. And I go, yes, Jesus. So that's my story. We, there's not much to me except Jesus. So. <laughs> okay, then Anna, I'm, also, I'm, I'm always curious. How did you guys, how did you meet then? You were obviously not the girl in the small group, or were you? <laughs> I would have been so afraid of that. No, um, luckily I wasn't a girl in the sound group. I would probably, even at that time of my life, would have run very far away, you know, just wanting to protect myself. So I would have picked up probably some stuff and never spoke to him ever again. So it's just the Lord's grace. Um, but we actually met in 2008. Um, their family and he will share a bit maybe about that, but around the business, but they, their business was going on a missions trip. I didn't know it's a business thing. I just thought it's people going to Mozambique. So I joined them. And um, during that time, 
both of us were at a place where we were not ever planning to get married. He was going to be Paul. I was going to be Paulina. <laughs> and, you know, so we were fine. And so we had a very, um, just very relaxed friendship, actually, coming from the trip to Mozambique. We actually didn't know each other. And um, in their business, they started a missions leg where I became part of. So we saw each other for prayer, but that was about it. And in 2010, I went to Zambia to do a discipleship training school with OM. And during that time, the Lord spoke. He was in South Africa, I was in Zambia. And the Lord, yeah, through supernatural, amazing events, spoke to both of us. We were just friends, but he spoke to both of us at the same time, giving us the same invitation, and that is to get married to each other. But we didn't say that to each other, you know, over a text message, guess what's happening in your life. And so we actually, after two months that I was there, three months, I came back, and we spoke about it, and confirmed what the Lord literally supernaturally spoke to both of us individually, never been in a relationship with each other, seeing each other only at prayer, and then we spoke with our family, submitted that to them, and got married 40 days after that. And um, we, <laughs> this is not the story to follow, okay? You need to follow Jesus. Yeah, can we just, all this single people, if you're sitting next to a single person, just close their ears. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is not the blueprint. This is from his background and from my life. That was 100% how the Lord needed to reveal that to us. So please don't try to copy it. It will not work. You need to follow Jesus and walk where he directs you in. Um, but yeah, so for us, even before we got married, the most important question for both of us was, are we more powerful in his kingdom alone or together? Because if it's not together, then we are losing ground for the kingdom. So that was our only question, basically. Lord, will we be more effective as a couple and in expanding your kingdom? Otherwise, it's just selfish, you know? It's just in for yourself. So, yeah. They're hardcore, eh? <laughs> so what I, what I hear, and, and this is just knowing you for a couple of months now, is that seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. And um, I think there's such a good message just from, from, your, from your life story. And we're going we're gonna to go... Just to jump in the... I mean, look at this. I was just seeking his kingdom. Well, look at what I found. I'm telling you, I am blessed. Yeah. Well done. Um, and then both of you have a passion for missions, and that's actually where we're going to just take the conversation into now. Just tell us what, what is your, your reference for missions? Where did, where did that fire in your heart to really pursue God in that way? Where did that come about? You can. I don't know. The moment I met Jesus, I was going, of course I'm going to follow him. And following him meant for me immediately, I, I, I thought, find a tree somewhere in Africa and go sit under it and go teach people. Um, I had no concept of it. But I think for me, it was, just, it was just one step. It was the most logical step for me, was to go, Lord, I want to follow you. And um, in my case, it took four and a half years where he, he, he first had to pin me down and get me out of my talents and my gifts to the place of surrender, to the place of follow me don't outrun me. And um, so I'm a bit stubborn. It took me about four and a half years to realize that if I don't um, finish it up and don't surrender, there's nothing going to be at the end of it. So, so for me, it um, took me into a place of surrender. Four and a half years later, he said, let's go. And we got into missions through an NGO or NPO that we started as a, as a spearhead for our business um, to put tools into missionaries' hands. And then got invited into OM, where we got... Um, had so OM is Operation Mobile, for those of you who Mobilization, know. yeah. So, and um, very not charismatic, if you were wondering about it. But we had the privilege of pioneering a, a, a training school that was mobile. So we would 
travel through Africa for about nine months, three months at a time, but about nine months of a year, just discipling people and serving and, and just seeing the kingdom come as we were going. So, um, and that, that's, we've been doing that since we've got married. Um, and uh, yeah, so a couple of years of that. And Hanna, do you want to add anything? Maybe tell us the story of, of your, how did your connection with YWAM, how did that start? Actually, I have no idea. I think it was more or less like your connection, you know, getting a video clip and seeing something of Andy. And, um, but yeah, during our time with OM, we finished in 2016 um, with this ministry and handed over to some of our friends and they are continuing with it and bringing their own beautiful flavor to all of that. And then we were in a journey of two years just asking the Lord what's next. And every time we sit and ask him, Lord, what's next? He's telling us, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. I love to be in your presence. Oh, do you want to experience me today as a provider? Here you go. Do you want to just see how much I love you? And he was just the whole time for two years showing us his character in a deep, intimate way. And at the same time, showing us who we are when we are nothing. You know, when you don't do a ministry, when you don't have reports, when you, when you don't have like all this exciting stories coming from the field, when you are just walking in a shopping center and you encounter Jesus. And showing us, you know, just confirming again our identity. Um, and then we met up with people of Fire and Fragrance. They stayed um, also a cool story, but they stayed in our house and we heard some report backs from the field of prayer and how people, and this is literally what they do in Nepal, is the discipleship school that's running there. They don't allow you to go out to do ministry if you were not for two hours corporately in the prayer room because you're only going to bring yourself going to the street if you were not with Jesus. So... And that really captured our hearts to a great extent. So we wanted to go and experience that. So we went to Nepal with Fire and Fragrance for a discipleship training school there and experienced all of this passion, a really following Jesus with a passion in your hearts. Um, and coming from there, yeah, that was a, a story of how we got into missions and went to Kona a bit. Um, and got involved with the Fire and Fragrance team. That's awesome. Okay, so Edward, he's, he's a very interesting missionary because he's also doing business on the side. Do you know you're allowed to do business, family, missions all together? That's, somewhere in the, in the church there's a lie. You only need to do one thing. You only do, you're only allowed to be a missionary or a businessman, but you can do all, everything, everything together. So... Edward actually comes from a background, a, a family business called Muerefir. So Edward, maybe just, just because they would, they would, even now speaking, you would say they started a, a missions leg from their business. How amazing is that? Think of your business, and one of the things you do is not selling a product, but you're actually selling the gospel into the ends of the earth. So maybe just tell us the, the thinking around that, because when I spoke to you the first time, I'm like, this is, this is a paradigm shift for the church. We need, we need this. Just your family, how you do meetings, um, how do you do church and missions and business, make money and be actually effective at all three? Yeah, I think I, I if I think back of, of how I grew up, I, I had a dad that, that was serious about following Jesus. And I, I'm not sure that you get something like a kingdom business. I'm, I know I'm going against the grain many times, but I do believe you have kingdom kids in business. I believe that it is the people. And if I look at my dad's story, I see what, what businesses has come out of it. His legacy is not his business. His legacy is the people that met Christ, that has become friends and family, that is, that is together we are going after Jesus. Um, and for us in our business meetings, when we have all our partners coming in, um, we, we, it is the most amazing thing for me as a son to, to look at all these partners that I've known for, for 20 and 30 years already and to know what God has done in their lives and to know that they are making a difference in their towns, wherever they are. So in terms of our business, we, we 
have a very open-handed policy in a place where, where our hands are open um, in terms of control. My dad is just very good with that. And um, we build our, our business around relationships, not contracts and stuff like that. Um, and we've, we, we've burned our fingers many times. But it's normally when we're not listening to the Lord and normally when, when we, we, we lose our relationship with the person, when there's a, the hard connection goes. So what we've found over the years is that it doesn't matter what the business is. If you have the right person, there's a good chance of it will work. And, and out of that, we, we started out in insurance, but it, gave, it, it went into um, the, the, the hospitality industry. It, it went into training. It went into security and everything. None of the things that I know anything about, but, but the partner is the specialist. And, and, and in the process, we get to bring Jesus into that every time. And, and as they got on board with what King Jesus is doing, it was just amazing to see how the impact sort of starts rippling all over. So, so for us, it's, it's not a divided thing. It's a, it's a way of life thing. So, Sorry, I can maybe add, like just in terms of a practical day, like he was referring to the partners coming in. So every six weeks or so, all this partners comes in and it's actually nothing with business. Um, so it's literally just people coming in and we are praying for each other. We are giving testimonies. We are encouraging each other, sharing life, eating together, having fun. And the whole atmosphere is really just to glorify Jesus and acknowledge what he has been doing. And even during the mornings, I did not grow up in a business background even though me and my brother had our own business running when I was little, but it was nothing like all these big words. So usually in the morning, our family gets together around the round table and they speak all these things that I cannot understand anything of. But I do understand the part where they say we're going to pray. So my exciting time of the day is when we're actually putting stuff on the table. I don't need to know what these words mean. I don't need to know who it has to do with and what would be the outcome of it. I just know now it's prayer time. And um, it's such an honor to see how people see God, seek his kingdom first, and then seeing how will this look in a practical way today. Amen. So take it. I think you must lay hands on every, all the business guys and just take it. I think that's, that's, the, that's the way to go. I think I, to, to just bring balance to it, we didn't start there. It started with a battle. I mean, even to today, we have a prayer meeting with our staff. Like, they, they are welcome. They're getting paid to come to the prayer meeting. It's in their time, their business time, but they, they have got such a difficult time to switch off this work ethic of, of our Afrikaner people, our, our South African people. They, they can't just go, okay, prayer is part of work. Prayer is part of life. So it's very interesting, the dynamics. And I just want to just throw it out there. We definitely do not have everything together. There's times when it works so well. There's times where it just bombs out. But thank you, Jesus. And you're making money. That's also important <laughs> for the kingdom. That is. If you're not making money in business, you're not supposed to be in business. <laughs> Great. Thanks, thanks, Edward. That's why uh, Edward and I, we share, we share something in, in terms of personality and what we love. And we're both networkers. So we're constantly stealing. So he comes into the, into the hall like this. Hey, I love what you guys are doing. What's the ceiling? How did you do the ceiling? But that's why the first time I met him, I'm, I think I'm going to steal, I was thinking I'm going to steal this, this from, from Wirafir. So please, afterwards, come and speak to him. So now, something that's really exciting and something that's just a lot closer to home and something that I want us as a, as a church to partner with is what you guys are going to do in Poch with um, just establishing a fire and fragrance school in, in Poch of Struem, the hot spot. So... Um, should we start with a video? You maybe just want to explain. Okay, let's. We, we're going to show. We're going to show a video, and there's a lot of vision, communication, just communicated through this um, video. 
and enjoy it. Years ago, the continent of Africa was home to 10 million Christians. Today, there are more than 631 million Christians throughout the nations of Africa. That is 6,210% more Christians in only 100 years. That number is only growing. Take a look at these headlines. Africa is set to be the global center of Christianity for the next 50 years. These same records were previously held by Latin America. It doesn't take a theologian to figure out that God is on the move in the global south, and we want to be a part of it. We believe Africa is not only a continent for missionaries to serve in, but that Africa can become one of the largest sending locations on the globe. On July 2nd, 2020, in Pachefstroom, South Africa, Fire and Fragrance will be running its first South African DTS. This is your time. Awesome. You must, just, you must get your, your voice on there. Pachefstroom in American accent just doesn't sound right. <laughs> I actually, I actually like that American accent. I, I think he actually... Okay, so maybe just explain to us, and also the reason why I want them to, to come, and you'll have a little card on your, on your um, chair. should be a little fine fragrance card. So they're going to share about the school that they're starting. So if you know of somebody, that because I love that last bit of the video, it's not only receiving, as we need to start sending. I was this week um, talking to Philip and Morena, and they, they needed to go to America. And I'm like, why are you going to America? And they said, they're going to fundraise for what they're doing in George. And in my heart, I felt like God saying, that's wrong. We're always relying on the other nations to come to us, whether it's through funding or through missions. We need to start building businesses. We need to start raising up people, our local people, because they are waiting for, for the Africans. We have something that we carry. And Edward, maybe as a start, maybe just what your why why would you come to South Africa and start something like that if we anyway get everybody coming coming to South Africa? Yeah, um, I do think that Africa has got a unique flavor that needs to to rise up to the throne room. There's something about the the fragrance of Africa that it's time for. So I'm really excited about it. We've been we've been doing Africa and and African missions and people being raised up into missions for the last 10 years, I would guess. And you guys have Kun speaking tonight. He's an absolute pioneer in raising up indigenous missionaries. Um, so there's something that is, that is expressing God's heart in a unique way coming out of this continent. And there's a call on this country that is so huge, where it is not only about Africa. It is about Africa, but it's about the world. Some, if you look at the big churches in Europe now, it's run by Africans. There's something about us stepping up to the stage going, it is our time. And that time is to bend our knee before the King of Kings and say, I will go wherever you send me. So for me, that was the big problem. I didn't want to go to Poch. I wanted to go to some frontline country. And God had to put me down, pin me down and go, you either take what I give you in Poch or I take it off the table. And that was, a, that was a fear of God moment. So if you ask me about Poch, I didn't want to go. But if I look back, I can see how God has spoken to us over the years. I remember distinctly being on the mountain in Jordan, where God just broke into a prayer time, where I was crying out for Him. I was, it's on the mountain in, in Amman. And I was just saying, Lord, four and a half million just in the city that's Muslim. They will never hear even if we move here. How do we do this? And it felt like he just, like he, he rewinded the movie and he brought it right back to Poch. And I knew back then that Poch has got a key. There's something about Poch. But I was going, send Amo, send somebody else. No, not me, Lord. And then... Not Poch. See, the, the hardcore people goes there's, to Poch. There's, actually, there's, there's no sea, no mountain. There's a... <laughs> There's an image doing the round where it says, "Be something about be grateful where you're at." Some people actually live in Poch. <laughs> so. We're getting a lot of prayer. That's all I'm saying. But here's the thing: so, so 
we, we didn't look for it. We didn't want to do it. It was not something that we were driving towards, but we were part of a community in Poch over the years, over the last 15, 20 years. That, no, not 15, 20 years. I don't even know Jesus, 13 years. So in the last 13 years, we were part of this community that is, that is crossing the boundaries, that is getting beyond the my sheep, your sheep church. You know, they're getting to the place where they go, let's go for the kingdom, and I don't care where the sheep goes. The sheep goes into your carol, that doesn't matter. And it's been so refreshing. It's been so amazing. And we have been talking about how do we raise up, how do we get, these, how do we get the saints to actually run their line? How do we get them to be equipped? It's easy to say that's what we do, but how do we do it? And we, and we bounced a lot of ideas, and one of them was, do we bring in outsiders? Do we bring in a fire and fragrance? And, and we had the background. Um, and, and we just felt, no, not at that stage. And then, beginning of the year, you guys know Gabriel and them. We were there with them. Um, Gabriel and Michelle and, and Hannah and me were part of a leadership track. And, and as we were praying, the Lord started moving. And he was just, and we sat down with Mr. Mr. Bird, Mr. Andy Bird. And, um, and the thing that blew me away is the only thing we were allowed to put on the table was to say to, to Andy, what, what do we see? This is what we're seeing in South Africa. This is what we're seeing. And he sat back like this and he said, you know what? What do you know about the word that the Lord gave us? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, the Lord gave us five countries that we need to put an expression down. And four of the five we've done. But the fifth one we could never break in. And the fifth one was South Africa. And we were going, oh, okay. This is the biggest story. And that's been the story of this year and the story of our lives. It's, we've, we're part of a bigger story. And this is a part of the expression of that. So part of this is we're gonna, we, we've already set up a prayer room that is running five times a week, just like prayer sets, and just seeking the Lord and honoring Him and loving Him, different communities coming together. It's crazy. It would not have worked five years ago. It's working now because He's busy. We are, we are literally, we're, we're dreaming of writing a new story for Africa and, and South Africa, bringing up a whole team that will be doing media, that, it, that is going to be equipped to write the stories of Africa because there's many and it's amazing. We're also looking at circuits. We're looking at, at teams running with us, not even a final fragrance necessarily, but teams running with us, ministries that is already saying, can we partner? Can we be part of what God is doing in South Africa? Go around the universities. Stoke the fires of revival. Just getting people to focus on Jesus. And you guys know where we are in South Africa. We pray more than most countries. This is an amazing thing. We think Angus Buchan and that is just normal. It is not. We travel a lot. People coming together to pray, it's not normal. Not, not on the scale that we see here. There's something happening in this country. And um, the other, other parts of it is then training as well and short-term teams. Um, we have to have a ramp to bring people into the, into the fold. And, and the DTS is, is the YWAM front door. That's how you get into the family. That's part of what you do. And it's for everybody. It, it is a, a, a three-month People coming in, training you, the best of the best that we can find, comes in for a week at a time and, and different subjects train you and then you've got a three-month practicum. So if you want to know a bit more, just ask some of these guys. they basically on their practical phase of it. They, they did their school in Kona. So yeah, that's the short of it. So we're excited about what God is doing. Great. Okay, Hannah, you look like the details person. So tell us what is costs involved, what does that include, you need to make your own food, because if I'm going to send an 18-year-old there, will he have to make his own food? I only ate wheat pigs for the first, first year if I had to make my own food. Yeah, so um, I think the whole heart behind it and the whole aim is to actually make it affordable. Um, knowing that we will have international students, of course, coming in, but we'll also have South Africans, but we also want those from Africa coming in because every culture brings something unique that you want people to be confronted with and discipled in. And that will cost laying down a lot of stuff, of course. So um, the cost is 50,000, but that includes your housing, it includes your food, and it includes your lecture phase as well as your outreach phase. So the lecture phase is about anything between nine and 11 weeks. 
and after that your outreach phase will start, which is also the same between 10, 11, maybe 12 weeks. And um, so it's all included except for visas for the people from other, from other countries and the long-termers, the staff will have a different cost, but the students will be, yeah. So, so that includes an international mission, am I right? Okay, so that is very, very cheap. So, um, so also hard behind this is eventually we want to do something similar in Georgia, but we first need to learn. They've, they have the experience, they've been doing it for, for more than 10 years. And um, so I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Let's, let's pray for a missions movement in every area, every sphere of society, not necessarily only going to the different nations or the um, least reached nations, but where it had or in the business sphere or construction. I'm just looking, all of us here, we are all missionaries. We're all sent with a message and the power of the Holy Spirit to do, to do our thing. And what, what I just, what I love about them, they stimulate me in having big faith. Like they, when you talk to them, they think of changing a nation. Not only changing George or even a neighborhood or even your wife. It is changing a nation. So, um, I'm gonna, we're going to close now. Danielle, can you maybe quickly just share the word that you shared at the intercession? Um, sorry for putting you on a spot. Um, so I'm going to be honest. I didn't really have much to share coming in because uh, Amu was like, what do you feel like the Lord has um, for us today in church? And I was like, oh, goodness, I didn't even ask the Lord. Um, so I asked quickly, I was like, hey, Jesus, like, what, what, what's on your heart today? And he gave me um, John chapter 5, where it talks about the man at the pool of Bethesda, where he was lame, and he couldn't walk, and, and Jesus came to him, and he was like, like, do you want to get well? Like, do you want to be healed? And he said, I can't. Like, no one has been able to take me to the pool to be dipped and, and to be healed. And Jesus just looked at him and said, stand up and walk. Like, take your mat. Like, you're healed. And in that moment, he had, he had that choice to actually stand up when he never probably had in his whole life. And it was that, that chunk of faith that actually healed him. And, and he was lame for 38 years. And so I just feel like maybe there's some people in here that either physically need healing or emotionally need healing. That something that they've held on to, and it's been so long, and you've lost hope that, that there's not that, that chance of healing that can take place. But I just feel like the Lord really want, wants to speak to somebody specific in here that, that there's that freedom and he's extending it today. And you just have to take up your mat and walk and believe in faith that, that you're healed. Awesome. So, so it's, it's, even, it's even wider than that. It's saying, so it's healing, but the man replied and he said, I can't. I can't get to the water. Now, I sense there's a lot of us, we, we feel like we know God is calling or wants to bring about his kingdom or advance his kingdom, but we're saying we can't because of this, whether it's, um, whether it's your background or maybe even your sinfulness, you feel like you're still doing this and all of that, but, but Jesus is the one that's bringing healing. It's not, it's not somewhere else. You don't even have to go to fire and fragrance to be stimulated as a missionary. It'd be amazing if you can go. But is this to say, Jesus, in this, in this moment where I say I can't, I'm saying I can through you. So I want us to just close, close our eyes. And if, if you're in this room and you're saying today, you're saying, God, I want to sign up. But somewhere in your heart, in your mind, and maybe because of past experiences, whether it's a fence with another church, or maybe fence with a parent, or a, a, it could even be a mentor. But because of that, you are saying, you have a reservation, you're saying, I can't. I cannot do this. I know that somebody else needs to do it. I know that God is calling the people of God, the church, to do it, but I can't. If that is you, just while every eye is closed, I want you just to acknowledge and say, God, I'm the guy at the Pula Potesta, and I'm putting up my hand, and I'm saying, I can't. Just put up your hand, just say, I can't. Just very high. You can do both hands too. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. And the truth is, we can't. 
So then if, if you're in this room and you were just challenged by what especially Edward was and Hannah was sharing about the business side of things. In other words, doing what you, keep on doing what you're doing, but then just bringing in a business leg, being intentional about the influence, the household that God has given you through business or through the place where you work nine to five, spend most of your days. I want you to just, just raise your hand quickly just and saying, Jesus, that is me, that is me. Great. All of you know you're signing up for missions. Eh? Okay, so here's what I want us to do. We're gonna we're gonna stand. If you if you fit into any of those categories, you raise your hands. I made it easy for you. Just, there's one step raising your hand. The next step's a little bolder. <laughs> I want you to take off your shoes. I've seen it somewhere. It's not a new trick. Okay, so if you raised your hand and you want to say yes to God, you're just going to come, you're going to walk to the front and you're going to put your shoes here. Nobody's going to steal your, your shoes. We're all Christian. Okay, I'm, I'm putting my... If you, if you have holes in your socks, that's also fine. I'm so... I thought, whoa, I don't know if you have the same sock. It's like matching socks on. We have high-tech socks here with bare feet. Come and put your shoes up in front. <laughs> it's getting smelly in here. It's the smell of God delivering George from all the nonsense in South Africa and the nations. Okay, so now, now I want you to turn to the person, person next to you and, and I want you to ask them the following question. So what has God given you? What has God given you in terms of your mission field? Where is your mission field? And then I want us to just for a few moments spend time in praying for people. Again, so if the YWAM team, if you can just go and connect with people, that'd be great. And you just, we just pray for each other. We say, hey, this is, we're already reaching into these different areas. 